Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle and last class session we talked about a film you may have heard of called Sunset Boulevard. Um, this class session we're going to talk about um, Billy's favorite of all the films that he made. Um, it's a film that I think has made quite a strong comeback in the last 20 years but at the time did not do well at all and it's called Ace in the Hole. Now, Ace in the Hole is a story of an ambitious newspaper man who finds the biggest story in the nation and is able to milk it for all it's worth despite putting lives in jeopardy. Now, what's fascinating to me about this film is that it, it, it marks an important shift in Billy's career. And that important shift is that he and his co-writer, Charles Brackett, broke up just before this movie and they quit working together. Now... They remember he and Brackett had been working together since before Billy was even a director. You know, they they worked with Lubitsch together. They they wrote the major and the minor together. They wrote the Lost Weekend together. They wrote Sunset Boulevard together. They'd written all these films together for years, for decades. And yet before this movie, um, they their their partnership ended um, in in Billy's biography nobody's perfect he says i wanted to approach different themes to question things i didn't quite have a hold on what i wanted to do but i wanted to explore we just couldn't agree on what these themes should be he says in another part of that book he says the success of sunset may have been part of our problem where do you go from there i had some ideas he didn't like and he had some i didn't like we had an argument i don't remember about what but we were sitting in the car and it got louder and louder it got pretty loud we both got out of the car angry. Then I was working with somebody else and we just never got back together again. Unfortunately, that breakup led to a film that did super well in Europe and did, but did not do well at all in the United States. In fact, it was considered a flop. He says, he says later in Nobody's Perfect, he says, there was no tension with my collaborators. I couldn't get into an argument with them if I hit them over the head with a dangling participle. They tried too hard to be agreeable. Only Kirk Douglas disagreed about some stuff about his character, but he disagreed very politely. Maybe he should have been less polite. I'm sure some of you are wondering, why in the world would Billy feel that the fact that there was no tension between him and his other workers or, or, or his other collaborators would be a problem? Well, let me tell you something about him and Brackett. In fact, let me tell Bill, let me let Billy tell you something about him and Brackett. This again comes from the biography Nobody's Perfect. He says, if two guys get together who think the same way, the same politics, come from the same place and have the same background, background, well, it's a terrible thing. It's like pulling on one end of a rope. If you're going to collaborate with yourself, you don't have a collaborator. You might as well write alone. You need an opponent to bounce things off of. You need to have the rope stretched as tautly as you can get it. Out of the friction comes the spark and the sparkle, and it's especially good for the dialogue. See, Billy knew that, to ha that, that in order to get the best collaboration possible, you needed to work with someone who was different than you. Because as he says here, if you're going to collaborate with yourself, you don't have a collaborator. If you're gonna, in other words, if you're going to collaborate with someone who is so similar to you, you're not really collaborating on anything. You're not bringing the best out of each other. You're not coming up with ideas that the other person says, that's not that good. You know, um, if you think the same way, then, then, then you might as well not work together at all. You need someone who's going to fight against you and tell you when you have bad ideas, who's going to tell you like, I don't know, that doesn't pass water, you know? Um, 
and vice versa. You need to have someone who's going to come to you with ideas that they think are great. And you're going to say, I don't know about that one. I don't think that one's going to work. We need to dig deeper here. We need to find something better than that. So Billy kind of dissects how, how, how they were able to keep this partnership together for so long. He says, Again, all of this comes from Nobody's Perfect. He says, we would discuss a scene, each of us making notes and suggestions. Sometimes we would argue violently, but that was good. That was how we got along. He also says, we did not agree on much, but what we agreed on was more important than the long list of what we did not agree on. Let me say that again. We did not agree on much, but what we agreed on was more important than the long list of what we did not agree on. You have to know what you can argue about. Safe argument territory. It's a question of something sacred. And I think that's so important to remember too. Because if you have that collaborator who is who is in many ways opposite of you, there need to be some key things that you can agree on and both of you know that those are far more important than the things that you don't agree on. You know, if if both of you agree, well okay, for example, um I'm pulling this one from memory. Um Billy said that he and Brackett didn't agree on much, but they agreed on Lubitsch. That's 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 a rough. Um, it's not a direct quote, but it's it's pretty close. Uh, that's also in Nobody's Perfect, and that was that was what was most important. You know, both of them had high high regard for the for what Lubitsch could do for for the way Lubitsch worked for the for for how he never settled for just enough. How he always pushed for more. That was way more important than whether or not they agreed on anything politically. And in the in the biography, Billy goes on and on and on and on and on about all these things politically that they didn't agree on at all. But that didn't matter. What mattered was that they cared about telling good stories. What mattered was that they they cared about making the best films possible. That was what mattered. And that was far more important than this list of 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 superficial things that had nothing to do with working together that they disagreed on. And, and at the same time they knew, you know, don't get into the politics. Don't get into the personal lives. Don't get into this. Don't get into that because none of those are important. What they know they can argue about is whether or not this idea is a good idea, whether or not that line should be, isn't, isn't good enough, whether or not there needs to be a joke here, whether or not, whether or not they've taken it to the furthest extreme like Lubitsch might, you know, those were the things, those are the safe argument territory that he talks about, you know, those are the places that you can argue. You can argue about what's on the page, what's not on the page, what should be on the page, what shouldn't be on the page. Those are the kinds of things that they could argue about. And the, and those were the things they knew was safe because nobody was getting hurt. It was never personal. And I think that's the thing that's, that's maybe most important that I've learned about working in this industry, whether you're writing with someone or you're on the set or you're cutting with someone or whatever. It's not none of it's personal. If someone shoots down your idea, it's not that they dislike you. It's that that, that idea isn't enough. You know, nobody's making any none of this should ever be personal. We're all just trying to do the best job that we can. And if someone yells at you, if someone comes at you or attacks one of your ideas or breaks it down and says, I don't know, this doesn't work, that doesn't work, this really, you know, this idea, that, that's, that's not good enough. They're not saying that you're not good enough. They're saying that the idea isn't good enough. We all have bad ideas. We all have bad moments. We all have things where we misunderstand or we don't do it as well as we could have or whatever. That's part of being human. And the, 
the thing that we all need to learn is how then to respond in a way that respond in a way that we know it's not personal and that we don't take it personally and that it doesn't matter and we can move on and get to what's important and the important thing is making the best film that we can now there's one other thing here that I want to talk about the way that 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 Wilder and Brackett work together because it sounds like they argued quite a lot but he makes this this very important distinction here he says Brackett and I argued alone then we went out with a unified front I think that's important because I don't know if I've if I've made this clear enough, but Brackett and Wilder were two of the most powerful names you could see, you know, under the written by credit. And these guys were the best. You know, it, it got to the point where where um, they were so tied to each other that at a party, Brackett started to get a little drunk. And, and, and Billy was never a big drinker, but he told Charles, he said, he said, you better slow down. Otherwise, the papers are going to say tomorrow, Brackett and Wilder got drunk last night. You know, they were they they were so tied together and they were such a powerful tandem for for a whole decade, at least that that once it that it was important that once Billy started directing that they needed to be in lockstep with each other publicly in front of the crew, in front of the actors, in front of the producers. And so when they collaborated and they were working things out on their own, they did it in private. They did it together so that then when they went out, it was a unified front. There was no splintering there. And everyone knew these are the authors of this story and we have to respect what it is that they want. And they knew that there was importance there. So, if you ever find yourself collaborating heavily on a movie, but one of you has to be at a certain point, both of you are going to be the face of the project, but probably one of you is going to be the director, the producer, the whatever. And it's important that that if you two that that if you and someone else are seen as the driving force, that everybody know that you're making these decisions together, that there's no dissension in the ranks, because otherwise you end up with a mutiny on your hands as kind of a splintering of the crew. You know, you get a team, team so-and-so versus team such-and-such, you know. And I, I don't think you can make a film that way because it takes so much energy and so much effort and so many decisions are made that it, it, it requires that unified front. And that was something that, that, that Billy and, and, and Brackett understood. Now, speaking of that unified front and of that power, there's another interesting thing going on behind the scenes of this film. Um, everything I'm about to say is revealed in the documentary Portrait of a 60% Perfect Man. Okay, This is the first movie that Billy Wilder is, the, is a producer of. Okay, and this is what he says about his experiences as a producer. He says first, he says, a studio producer who, you know, since they cannot write, since they cannot direct, since they cannot act, since they cannot compose, they become the head of everything. And that was the ultimate control. It was a question not of power, but of ultimately having it as close on the screen to what you first imagined, to have it as close to that after the execution. This is why Billy became a director, remember? Billy was tired of directors coming in who couldn't read, as he says, and messing up his scripts. So what he decided was, I'm going to be a producer. And then he says this. He says, believe me, it was a very, very harsh experience. I almost left Paramount because 
because that was before I had the controls, the cutting controls and the other controls. They just retitled the predict. Uh, they just retitled the picture. It was Ace in the Hole, and then they called it the Big Carnival to recoup some money. Then it was a success in Europe. But I learned my lesson. You know, I insisted on certain things so that they cannot go behind my back. And suddenly the picture is retitled. It is recut. It is redubbed, recensored, or uh, sorry, not recensored, rescored. He also says, I thought producing would give me more control, but it actually gave me less control. Most of the time I was too busy, except when there was nothing to do but wait. There was a lot of frustration, like weather. The producer can't produce the right weather. Let's back up a little bit and try to break some of these things down. Billy became a director because he wanted to keep, he wanted the script to be on the screen. And then he became a producer because he wanted even more control. And this film taught him that just being a producer wasn't enough. To just be a producer, you know, they still didn't give him final cut. Um, they still didn't give him, you know, these kinds of, as he calls them, these controls. You know, um, the studio lost a lot of money in the United States. So in, the, in Europe, they, they released it as the big carnival, trying to almost separate it and release it like it was some other film. Try to get some of that money back. Um you know, and they retitled it. Um, I don't, they might've even recut it or redubbed it, um, without him even knowing, you know, without even advising him or asking him for any of that, you know? And, and, and so that was where Billy learned. It's not just enough to be a producer. You have to negotiate and get this control from the studio because otherwise they're just gonna, you know, otherwise, Otherwise, they can still go around your back. They can still do certain things, you know. And that, uh, uh, and we've talked about how that influenced his shooting style, how that influenced the number of things. Um, and what he learned was also being a producer ended up taking him away from the directing in many ways because now he had all these other things to worry about. And then, of course, it, it got even more frustrating because now he's the producer and he's the one that's trying to keep the ship running and there's weather delays, the producer can't produce the right weather, he says. Um, you know, these these sort of things, there's there's things that we can do to get control back, and there's things that we can do to lose control, too. And that's one of the important things that I think Billy learned here. By taking on another title, all he ended up doing was, was biting off more than he could chew. And then on the flip side of it, he still hadn't gotten from the studio what it was he wanted. Just because he had the title doesn't mean he had the power. And that's something that gets corrected from here on out. Because Billy does remain a producer on many of his films after this. Um, but it's it's important to, to, to keep this, this mentality of it's not about the power. It's about, it's about driving that vision you wanted to the screen. It's about it's about telling the story you wanted to tell and making sure that's what ends up on the screen. Um, and that's the most important thing to remember, you know, and I'm I don't I don't think of myself as being that kind of a filmmaker. Um, I know there's a lot of people who are. But this is this is why we do this podcast so that we can learn how other people have done it. Learn in many cases, like with Ace in the Hole, learn from mistakes that have been made. And not just learn from everything that they did right, but sometimes learn from the things that they did wrong so that we can avoid that. That's all I have for this class session. Thank you so much to li for uh, thank you so much for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Um, next up, we have Stalag Seventeen, we have Sabrina, and we have the Seven Year Itch. 
We have a run of S's. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, whatever, um, if you just want to chat with us about film, uh, you can reach out to the podcast. You can um, email us, hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. There's a Hitchcock University Facebook page, and then there's our, our Twitter um, account, which is Hitchcock underscore U. The letter U is in university. Um, thank you again so much for listening to Hitchcock University. I've been Taylor Bickle, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks again.